Welcome to Calabrio Shorts. This is Dave Hookstra, your effervescent host. And I've got a pretty good show lined up for you guys today so that we can talk about. I'm very excited. We're going to be talking about shift bidding. Now, we just came off a very successful and very hotly contested session at our C3 user conference. And I'm very lucky to have the the moderator of that session here joining me, our, our good buddy, Mark Beards. Mark, welcome. And let's talk a little bit. But here's what I want to do first. I want you to tell me Give me your resume real quick so that people should know why they should listen to you about when we talk about shift bidding. Yeah, sure. Uh, first off, Dave, thanks for having me again for the third time. It's always a pleasure to come on the Calabrio Shorts. Okay, so a little bit about my background. I started in workforce just a little bit over 25 years ago. I started off as an analyst. Uh, I worked from an analyst to a senior analyst, from a senior analyst to a scheduling analyst, from a scheduling analyst to a BI analyst. I then went into leadership, worked as a manager, senior manager, director. Every single facet of the organization from a WFM perspective, whether it's scheduling, forecasting, planning, HR, finance, I have done it all from start to finish. That's and a little if, bit of my resume. And if you notice the way Mark says organization, it means he's Canadian. We, he has that going for him as well. So yeah, lots of experience in this area. And just so you guys know, for me, I'm, my path is similar to Mark. I spent a little more time on the, uh, the planning side. But yes, let's just put it this way. I think between Mark and I, we've probably done, I would say, triple digits shift bids over the years. So we've done this. We know what we're talking about. And hopefully we can give you guys a little bit of insight here as to what a shift bid is. What's the point? So let's start there, Mark. Tell me, for those who might not know that are listening to this, what is a shift bid? What's the point? Why do we do them? Yeah, sure. I'm going to break it down to the basis way of explaining a shift bid. You can get super technical with it. Shift bidding is a fair way to offer an exchange or a balance of shifts to your agents, making it a fair and equal system where you can actually change it from an organizational perspective. And I know that sounded super complicated, so I'll break it down. It's a list of shifts, eight to five, nine to five, 10 to six, whatever it is. And you're making those shifts available to your agents where they can go in through a bidding process and say, hey, I want the eight to five, or I want the 10 to six, or I want the nine to five. And then you can actually then say, for these agents, you can choose a different way of allowing them to bid on those. You can choose seniority, or you can choose adherence, and you can change and make a whole bunch of methods available from those. So it's a good way to reboot your shifts, right? So what happens over the course of time in a contact center is you come up with this base set of shifts. Some people leave, we bring in new hires and they get plugged in the holes. Some people change their schedule from full-time to part-time. And over the course of three, four, six, eight, 12, 18, whatever months, it's not as pristine as it used to be. You've got little gaps in your coverage. You've got some things you need to change. And what's a way that you can reset the whole table is through a shift bid, right? And so we do this process. And that's why we do them is it's a great way to reboot the system. And I want to call out a word that Mark used a couple times, fair. And fairness is a huge part of a good shift bid. And we'll get into some of the details of that. But I wanted to make sure to call that out. So... Thank you, Mark. That's a good one. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you now, if you were to build a shift bid from scratch, knowing nothing about scheduling, what would be your way of explaining it from top down? From scratch. My, basically, I'd put all the shifts in a hat and then draw them out one by one. And whoever gets it, they have to be happy with it. No, I'm kidding. I, shift bid, 
let me see how I would explain this is I would probably have to start from a perspective of, okay, I have to write down all of the shifts that I need, right? I have to start from that. But I usually know, I don't know this as well as my workforce management system would know this, right? So I'd probably use, I had access to a workforce management system. I would have it generate to me what schedules I would need. Now, not everybody has access to a workforce management system. So this could be an Excel spreadsheet that kind of lists out all of the, uh, all of the key shifts that we need, but you have to be very detailed about it. You can't just say, okay, I need some eight by five, eight to five. I need some nine to sixes. I need some 10 to sevens. You really have to define each shift and which one is available. And then from there, I have to then figure out how to equitably distribute these shifts to others, right? Like you said, sometimes it's by adherence. Sometimes it's by seniority. Sometimes it's by attendance. Sometimes it's by a mixture of a whole bunch of them. You have to find a way to figure out who's number one and who's number 100, right? And then work from there. And then you have to allow them to choose from there. Then they start working those shifts. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, that's a great explanation. I'm going to ask you a follow-up question. Is it is shifting like a be-all, end-all? I know there's a stigma right now that a lot of organizations are almost set in their ways, and shipping is a new, and it's a change, and it's a different option. What would be your approach to maybe that aspect of it? There's no doubt that shift bids stress an organization, right? This is It is a good test to see how well things, how, how well your organization deals with change, because Shift bids is it is it is wiping the slate clean and starting all over. But the best organizations are smart about them. They're not just absolutely steadfast and say this is the only way it's going to be, and you will never do anything else. It is it, you. So we've seen success with sometimes the full timers bid differently than the part timers. Sometimes the you have to do different languages and make sure your coverage. But that's the question you have to ask yourself is what coverage do I really need? And it starts from that conversation as you go forth. But I think very first initial decision is how much stress can my organization handle? Because if everything is already on fire and you come in and say, by the way, everybody's getting new shifts in, in six weeks. It might just be the proverbial straw that breaks the camel's back. And you might be very careful about that. Yeah, I think that's a, it's a good question. But all right, it's my turn to throw you one. Where do you see the, the pros of a shift bidding process? What can an organization benefit from doing a shift bid? I'm going to start by saying one piece. Uh, shift bidding doesn't have to be an all or nothing. You can have some people on shift bids, some people on rotations, and some people on static. The pros of a shift bid are really where it makes it dynamic for your organization. If you're with a group where your volume or your handle time or your trend changes on a frequent basis, if you're only using static shifts, you're never going to be able to account for those changes. Shift bidding now allows you that new opportunity to take this change in volume, change in demand, change in requirements and meet those demands without having to change your actual staff. Okay. Now, with these types of changes, you're going to know this better about your organization than anybody can come in and tell you. So you need to find the balance that best works for your group. Okay. So that could be maybe 
Right now, nothing. Maybe you keep everybody on static. And then next year, as you're add, adding in new people, you have them move into a shift bid where you have your existing people on one process, your new people coming in on another. Maybe you have a vo- group of volunteers. You send out a note saying, hey, look, we're looking for a group of volunteers to move to this new process. And when you're talking about compensation for it, maybe you can compensate them a little bit differently. Maybe they get a premium for working on a shift bid. These are all triggers from a workforce perspective where you can actually really balance your business needs at minimal cost to the organization or at no cost if you have volunteers who want to do it for free. But the success of a shift really allows you to fill those gaps and business needs of where you need the people in the right place. I think too, as we talk about these different pieces, a lot of people get very scared about what the perception of a shift will look like. But it's always important to remember that there are probably more agents than you think that are not happy with their current schedule. There are more agents you think that would be willing to shift their schedule. And there are more agents that you think that would be very happy about a fair and equitable process for them to get a better schedule because a lot of organizations just go by straight seniority. There's nothing wrong with that until there is, right? And when you turn on the seniority bucket, you have these people that know that no matter what they do, they're always going to be have first shot at whatever shift they want. That for a newbie that's just coming into the organization, maybe they're okay with it for the first few months, but after a while they start to realize, oh my gosh, I'm never ever going to get higher up in the org, which means I'm never gonna have a better schedule. So turning it into an equitable shift bidding process could have huge positive ramifications on a lot of people that maybe you didn't expect. So I think it's a great point. I'm going to add something to that as well, because one of the most successful things that we ever did at a group that I worked for was actually doing a half and half. We had half of our people on, it was almost like a fixed rotation where you work the same amount of shifts every week over the period of time. But what we did was instead of giving all those people the earliest shifts, if you wanted a static shift, we took half of our total shift requirements, half of the mornings, half of the middle of the days and half of the evenings. And we put them in that static place. We said, hey, look, here's your ranking if you move under this section. And then we took the other half and we put them in the shift bid. And we said, here's your ranking if you move under this section. So what we had people doing was moving back and forth between them on almost like a quarterly basis because they could get different shifts as they were moving back and be more pliable. But the thing is, when you were going through your bid process, at least you knew that you were going to get that shift for a certain period of time. And with the static people, they were guaranteed that shift permanently. So it allowed there to be a lot more flexibility between the two systems. Yeah, and that's a great example of how there really is no rule book for this. You do what the organization needs, but it has to be a balance between what's going to be a positive impact for your agents and their work-life balance, and then what's going to be a positive impact for the business. If shift bids weren't needed, if everybody just worked everything we said, we wouldn't have this problem, but then we'd also basically have robots that are working and we wouldn't have to worry about any of that. We don't have that problem. We have the different problem of these are human beings that need to be scheduled. And think back to when you first started your your first part-time job and you were maybe in high school or college, right? And you you had scheduled demands. I have to go to class at this time and I have to, and, and how the, the, the schedule changed based on your life, but it also changed on what they needed at your organization. And that, that's exactly what a shift bid is, how to, how to fit all those Lego pieces together to create the right kind of coverage, but also matches your overall group. So what the, 
So to follow up on, on, on my question earlier, what do you see as some of the cons of a shift bid? What are some things that people maybe need to watch out for? The first thing is be fair, be honest, and be open about everything that you're doing. The second you start hiding information from the people that are involved, it is a slippery slope of negativity, right? Mm -hmm. So as long as you're upfront, you're honest, and you're open about everything that's happening, and you're transparent, it's almost difficult to have a negative. The biggest negative that I would say for people who want like a regular nine to five every day is there's going to be change. There's going to be a shift in shifts. There's never going to be that consistency that some people want. But that's why you need a balance, right? So you're going to have people that have probably been with your organization for 20 plus years. You're not going to want to put those people on a shift bid. They've earned their right. But now I'm actually going to turn this a little bit back on you. And I'm going to say, at what point does it become seniority versus performance versus maybe a third option, right? Because yes, maybe you have that person there for 20 years, but is that the right thing to do? I think it should play a role. And this I think this is a good discussion of how a balanced scorecard or a really balanced ranking mechanism is very important. What I used to do is I had a weighted Excel spreadsheet that had all of the KPI that needed to be focused on. So we had talk time and wrap up time and attendance and <clears throat> QA scores and one of the columns, and that was seniority, right? How long have you worked for the company? Now, that may have only weighted 5 or 10% of the overall score, but it did matter, right? So if I've worked here for 20 years and you've worked here for two weeks and all things considered equal, you definitely want to give seniority to the person that has put in their sweat equity into what they're doing. But we also wanted it to be very performance-based because – you being here for two weeks, you know that if you really put in the work and you really work on getting your stats better, your QM scores better, you show up to work on time, you do what's asked of you, you will very quickly climb up that ranking because we are incentivizing towards the target that we wanted. And I think that's the – if there's one thing to step back and ask yourself any part of this is what – what do we want to incentivize people towards? Because you can use a schedule as a really good motivating tool to what they need. People will work hard for that extra schedule, right? To make sure that it's where they want. That's how I always approached it. I never wanted to completely dismiss seniority and I never wanted it to be completely performance-based, but you really have to find that good balance in the way you weight out those different KPI to really help and then going back to your earlier point, Mark, transparency is huge. You can't just keep this little spreadsheet off in the corner and you're packing away at it like in the dark and tenting your fingers and saying excellent. You have to you have to really be transparent about that. I would publish these rankings every two weeks. And it was and it wasn't designed to shame anyone. It was designed to help people know truly where they are. And if someone came to me and said, Dave, I, I gotta get off this shift, I'm like it's right there. It, this is how to do it. We're, we are doing a shift bid. We did three shift bids a year. So every four months, which I thought was better than doing four a year. So every four months, there was a shift bid that happened. And literally every single day, you could go and see what your ranking would be towards that bid. And if you're transparent and open and you're fair, this is an easy process to go through. It gets complicated when you have lots of different cues and skills and different areas and languages and things like that. But 
That's why you guys get paid the big bucks to do these, to make these decisions with workforce managers, right? I'm sure. Yeah. Big bucks, Dave. But that's why we are where we are is because we're the ones with the brains that can make this decision happen. That's the way I've always approached it. Anything you want to add? I'm going to ask you another question, actually. One sure. that you asked me, what do you do with somebody where the manager comes in and says, hey, look, we know you have a dedicated workforce team. This agent has to be on this schedule. How do you approach that? This is the uh, $64,000 question. I can tell you many times I had someone walk into my office and say, hey, Dave, I can't work this. What are you going to do about it? And we had to figure out what we wanted to do about it. The problem is that if you make a special exception for that agent, you now have invalidated the fairness of the entire shift bid. But on the other hand, do you really want to lose a good employee just because you can't do it? You really, in my mind, you have to do it on a case by case basis and you have to, you have to come to a compromise, right? Hopefully you're not working with such scarce resources that one agent is going to completely destroy an entire four hour part of your day. If you're working from that perspective, maybe a shift bid is not going to help you all that much if you're that understaffed. So maybe work on getting your numbers up before you uh, get into the shift bid. But a compromise, so let's say you you gave them and it's, hey, I can work the 1030 to 730 shift, but can I do a half hour lunch? And I see you've got me like Thursday and Friday off and it's really important. Thursday is my night class. Can I change that to a Wednesday? I say, look at the schedule and if you could accommodate it, do it, right? But if you look at the schedule and you can't, that's the whole point of a shift bid is this is what we're trying to avoid. The minute I give you what you ask for, we're right back where we started. I have to do another shift bid to cover it. So I've seen situations where agents have left as a result of a shift bid that didn't go their way. And that's unfortunate. I never liked that. But if I gave everybody what they wanted, we're right back where we started. And so you can't, you really have to weigh those two things. So it's important to discuss with your management, upper management, how you want to handle this. And I think it's important you discuss it with them before you do the shift bid, not after it's done and then go, oh no, what happened? You need to have a plan about if an agent contests the schedule that they got, how are we going to deal with it? It's good to run through some scenarios. I had one, I'll tell you a funny story. I had one guy who was the rock solid dude. He showed up every day, did his job, never complained, good QM scores. He was ranked, I think, third in a shift bid with maybe 150 agents, right? And he had always worked the kind of mid-afternoon shift, so coming at 11, that thing. And we did the whole shift bid, and I noticed that he got like a 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. shift. And I went to, I said, his name was Jim. I said, Jim... I said, this seems a little different than what you got. And he looked at the paper and he looked at the results. He was like, shoot. And I was like, what? He said, I didn't put my first choice down because I didn't think I would get it. So I put my first choice down as my actual third choice. And I was like, no, Jim, you did it all backwards, man. and, and And so I... Luckily, we hadn't released it. I was able to give them and we reshuffled and it didn't cause a lot of chaos. But another thing I tell would tell the agents is don't try to play the game. Be very clear about what you want, because I want you to get what you want. Believe me, I do. But if you try to mess with the way this works, you're going to be disappointed. And so just so many little nuggets of 
these are mistakes that I have made. And I'd be curious, do you have any that you can pull out from your past? I was going to say that was actually probably one of the best examples that you could give from a shipping perspective when it comes to uh, the ownership of the person trying to like almost like finagle the system to get it to do what it wants That's to do. exactly what he was doing. He was he was gaming the system because he, he thought he was going to be smarter than the ranking and, and he wasn't. <laughs> he, he just wasn't. <laughs> So I don't have something necessarily on the ship bid side, but I do have something that's like the craziest story you're ever going to hear about workforce. And I'll throw it here just because it's so crazy. Okay. And I know it doesn't play to shipping and I apologize, but you just made me think of the craziest story and I cannot tell it now. Okay. So I won't say the organization. We're at an organization. Okay. And we were using ship bidding at the time. You would get your bid. And then once you would get your bid, vacation would open up. Okay. And then at the end of the year, we do an audit. At the end of our third year of doing this process, we found an agent that managed to accumulate almost uh, an extra week's worth of paid time off. And what they were doing was they were booking all of their PTO on their hours worked around their breaks. So they we did paid breaks and paid lunches at the time. So they were getting an extra hour back every day. Wow. Okay, so at the end of three years, somebody finally picked up on it. Like, why do we keep having these two, three, four hour segments for this person? And we did a full audit over the last three years. And this person was ranked one on our shipping process for the record. They were always getting their favorite shift. They got everything that they wanted, but then they were manipulating the system and they actually got removed from the shipping process afterwards and they got ranked from the lowest. So that's it leads to the shipping. It doesn't, but it well, shows you that. Hey, we have a saying here in Texas. Agents are smart, y'all, right? Uh, and they, they'll figure out ways to game the system. And there are going to be times where you have to step back and you go, you know what? I'm not even mad. That's actually really impressive. But then you have to get mad because a lot of times you have to take action on that. I mean, I've been disciplined for trying to be smarter than the system before back <laughs> in my agent days. It's a rite of passage for those of us that are destined for more than being a call center agent in, in our lives. But yeah, that's a, but that's a great example of your ranking system needs to be relatively unmanipulatable. If I can string some syllables together there, the <laughs> it needs, you need to be, you need to stress test your ranking system to make sure and keep in mind, and the best way to do that is to just put it to the smell test. If you've got an agent that's always showing up in the top two or three, and you're like, I don't get it, then that's a really good reason to do a little mini audit or try and dig into the numbers a little bit. It's okay to ask the questions. It's okay to understand what's going on. But if you have an agent that's gaming the system, and then they get a really good shift out of it, and then somebody else gets, they get taken out of a preferential shift, that can open you up to some real unfair things, right? There's always the agent that does the after call work, bump into the bottom, the queue thing. And I, it's funny, the same agent that I was talking about had insanely low after call work scores, insanely low. And we, and we're talking like most normal people were in the 60 to 90 second range. His were in, were in the single digits. And huh. so we just straight up asked him, like, how are you doing this? And he's like, I just do everything on the call with the customer. I just, I, I can do notes and everything. And by the time I hang up with them, I just go straight into the next call. And I'm like, I got no problem with that. As long as it's not affecting the customer experience, I got no problem with that. And his talk times were longer. So it all balanced out in the end. It was, I was like, Hey, you're uh, 
whatever works for you, man. It's, it's good. Right, so I think this has been an awesome discussion. I'm going to, you got one more chance, you, one more question or one more thought. What have you got here, Mark? Yeah. My last question is for the people who are hesitant to even think about shift bidding, what are you going to say to them? Do a small test. Do a small test with a group. Start with your Spanish agents or find that small population of a group that can handle. And and you know what? Just do it as a test. You don't have to actually put it into place. Do it as a test to see what would happen if we did a shift bid. Say, here's what we're going to do. These are the shifts available. Put in your bid. I'm going to execute the shift bid and we're going to see whatever. And hey, if I told you this was your shift, would you be happy or sad about it? I'd be happy. I'd be happy. And there we've got 92% that were happy and 8% that were sad. Yeah, this is probably going to work. It's practice runs are really good for shift bids. They don't put any stress on people, but they do here. And here's the key, right? This is, I love this question because the unintended consequence of a good test is it wakes people up. It gets people talking about, oh, what are they doing? And of course, you can tell how old school I am because people still sat next to each other and talked to each other during the day. Now we, they, they use chat, they use Slack or Teams or whatever, and they chat with each other, but they'll chat back and forth and say, man, are, are they thinking of redoing our shifts? Ooh, oh, oh, that, that test they did, they ranked me by all these different, oh, maybe I should start paying attention to this. And a good test can mean all the world. And the last thing that I'll add is make sure you have plenty of runway before you you actually do the bid and before the new schedules actually start. So you want to give at least a few weeks of runway to execute the whole bid. People give people time to talk to their families about what shifts they want to bid on, all that stuff. And then when you do come up with the new shifts, you can't just start it the next week. You got to give them sometimes three, four weeks to get used to the idea of their new shift going to be on there. So that's another thing that maybe from the, from the mistakes Dave has made department in his career. So I think it's a great question. I, I will ask you as the one final thing to just, if you had, if there were a sign you were going to hang up above your desk about shift bids, what would it say that people would need to learn? And I don't know if it's because what's on your wall behind you, but believe in the process. <laughs> It's been stuck in my mind since I've been seeing that believe there, but believe in the process. And if you follow just the the simple rules of transparency, being uh, honest about your process, and then following the A to Bs, yeah, you can't go wrong. Yeah, the first one's tough, but the second one is easier. The third one is even easier. And then when they're used to it, you're like, oh man, we should have done this a long time ago. So shift bids, I, you know what's funny is, Two, three years ago, shift bids were an antiquated process, but they've, they, they're experiencing a resurgence as, we, as people work from home and hybrid working and people really paying attention to their work-life balance. And they're really experiencing a resurgence now. And we're seeing a lot of Calabria customers that are super excited about the possibility of doing a shift bid. You, we had great attendance at your session that, we, that was done at C3. Uh, so I think it's a very exciting time. So we want to hear your stories. We want to hear, if you, have you done a successful shift bid? Have you tried it? Do you want to try it, but you're scared? These are the kind of things that we want to talk to you guys about while you're out there. So if there's something that one of us at Calabria can help, send us a, send us an email. Shoot, I'll tell you guys, my email is dave.hookstra at calabria.com, H-O-E-K-S-T-R-A. Send me an email and let's talk about your shift bid process. I'm happy to have that conversation back and forth. And then we'll bring in Mark when we really need to figure out what to truly do, because he's the real expert. I just like to talk a lot about it. So go ahead, Mark. 
I was going to say, my email is also dave.hookstra at <laughs> Yes, Dave. Dave, I have a question. Mark, I have a question for you. Weird. Okay. Yeah, that's great. Uh, believe me, I'm just going to forward everything I get right on the mark. Hey, Mark, thanks so much for spending some time here on the podcast. Again, your insight is always welcome. And hopefully we have get a lot of good traction out of this conversation. For those of you that are out there that are listening, if there's a topic or uh, something you'd like to hear more information about that uh, me or Mark or anyone at, at Collaborate you'd like to hear more information about or if you'd like to join us on the podcast send me an email let's let's talk about it and we'll be glad to do it but uh, otherwise from me dave and i'm sure from mark my favorite canadian at the moment we will uh, we thank you guys so much for spending time with us and uh, we look forward to seeing you on the next episode of collaborio shorts take care everybody have a great rest of your day thanks everybody Bye.